What's poppin' world? It's your boy, the Puerto Rican powerhouse of Mike for Hire, the podcast, Mercy himself, Christian Joel Ramos, back at it again with a brand new review. And today we're going to continue the Amazon Prime original series based on the J.R. Tolkien books, The Lord of the Rings, Lord of the Rings, Rings of Power. We're on the third episode of the first season titled Adar, and the orcs have taken Arondir and his partner, Medhor, captive into slavery overnight. He was trying to figure out what was under those tunnels, and he, he fucked around and found out pretty much. So shit got real. And <laughs> uh, Galadriel, on the other end, uh, awakes from her nightmare where she thought things were uh, occurring that weren't. I mean, it felt so vivid that some, like, almost like, what do you call that? Uh, a, an omen or some sort of uh, premonition, premonition, there we go, that of things uh, to... Uh, go south because she's a hell-bent bent on this whole Sauron taking on Sauron before he grows powerful mission. So her and Halbrand have been saved and fed and given a chamber to sleep in on a ship, but they're kind of prisoners per se. Like, they're able to move around deck, but they're I guess you can say that a naval fleet found them and to take them to the court of the queen and then she will judge their fate for them. So they're just getting escorted because they're trespassing on international waters you know how it goes it's just litigation stuff so they go on and the ship opens up and they look trustworthy and yet they people look a little bit apprehensive about them because they're like you're strangers we don't know who you are but we'll take you in and figure this out so they're skeptical to say the least but at least they're kind enough not to have them in shackles they just kind of just have them free just roaming around the the ship until they get to shore so they were retrieved by a team that was instructed uh, to take them home. And uh, this was actually almost like I said, they knew who they were. So they're a people of power and influence. They know who these, who, uh, how, how Brandon and Gladriel are. So the kingdom is like this beautiful, I guess you can say, floating palace. So it's like it's on a, a bunch of uh, temples and mountains, but it's like not floating. It's just an, an, it's an island country. There we go. And it is instructed to them that they're just be taken home and where is home and then pretty much the elf kingdom the kingdom is beautiful here that they're currently at and looks like it's almost like similar to the smith elf kingdom but it's not elves they're humans and for that reason that uh galadriel who has been around for centuries already mind you she knows where she's at we're at the edge of the map the land of the star the island kingdom of numenar so that being said, Morgoth humans sided with Morgoth, um, who kind of were friendly with the elves at one point, went and astray from the elves and kind of banished them from their kingdom, but one way or another, because they were once close allies and now they don't really talk or are in contact with each other for, again, centuries. So having an elf there is actually a big issue for them. So the Chancellor of Farazan, seems like a very normal normal guy, seeks counsel with Galadriel, and Galadriel of the Noldor, commander of the Northern Armies of Finnafar, she gives this big speech of who she is in her title, and to ask Halbrand who he is, he's like, uh, hi, I'm Halbrand of the Southlands. <laughs> That's all he has. This is straight up from Game of Thrones. I remember the scene where they were introducing uh, Daenerys and Jon Snow. It was funny as hell. But this joke never gets old because it is true how posh and like overtly uh, 
professional the royals can be and like giving their damn identification and commoners like oh yeah my name is like tom from you know down the street you know just casual so galadriel and the queen regent uh mirio don't see eye to eye the queen regent's a beautiful woman she definitely looks like she's intelligent she's well-mannered and she's got some years on her belt of like but even though she looks like a young queen you can tell she became queen very early in her age so she had to like kind of grow up as she with the title is she didn't have time much to be a princess because the, her kingdom needed her. So Halbrand uh, plays it cool and gives them, uh, convinces her to give them three days to figure things out. Because Galadriel is definitely a great warrior, terrible politician. She is not cut out for that life. She's just not the type of person to be quote unquote politicking her case. And it, yeah. So safe to say things are a little bit tense, but they're trying to figure it out in a way that they can all coexist and leave this from getting ugly. So Elendil is the captain that saved them. He's also a foreigner to the island nation, um, but he seems to be on their on their good side because he's A, human, and B, uh, has uh, done it through the right channels. Uh, Arian, who is one of his daughters, uh, so Arian and his son, uh, Isil uh, are there on their ship. He's kind of it's like a work, you know, take your kids to work day type of scenario. Ellendale is having a private meeting with the queen about this occurrence, and she is skeptical of the elf and what that could mean for them. And he's like, I trust you, nothing's gonna happen. I will escort her home, absolutely. So he has to perform a service in order for stay for the queen's good graces, and that is to escort the young Galadriel back to her elf kingdom. So, back in the orcs' minds, these guys, Lord Almighty, back in the orc minds, the sun is hitting hard, and the orcs hate the sun because it burns your skin almost like a vampire. So they're covered in like tents, and that's where they burrow underground to begin with. Uh, they just prefer the darkness because it doesn't burn their, their pale alabaster skin. Uh, so the leader of the orcs likes that Rebian stands up for himself. She's like an elder um, statesman in the elf kingdom. I mean, guardsman. And um, he's not going to put up with their stuff. He's not afraid of them, essentially. Uh, he's there, and he's uh, the leader of the orcs. Likes this. He has gusto and hands him a water jug. And it's a water ration, but he's skeptical. Like, what is there poison in this? Like, hey, it's just water, see? So... Sadly, one by one, they drink water until the third elf drinks, and this is where the orc slits the guy's throat mid-gulp. And it's to set an example. You guys want to fight amongst yourselves or keep working to survive? Get out, you know, get on this. Stop trying to do it. And uh, they, they ask him to take down a tree, and apparently trees are very sacred in these wood elves. Like, they're, like, it wasn't the tree's time to be taken down, but they're building this crazy underground tunnel between towns so that the orcs could uh, pillage and steal everyone's land uh, slowly, but surely building these channels underground for miles and miles on end all through Middle, Middle Earth. So that's where the situation with the elves are right now. That being said, uh, let's see here. Galandrio, back in the Numenar, escapes but is met with Elendale, who gives her a proposition uh, pretty much like, hey, we can have a proper talk with the queen again, and you can discuss your plan, what you're trying to do here, and if you just take it easy. So they ride horseback a quarter of days away to find these ancient, uh, to find clues that are going to help them with what her case. 
that pretty much the Southlands are in danger and soon the whole world would be if Sauron gets a hold of them. But she needs Numenar's help to raise an army in order to take down Sauron before it gets there. So here we go with Hollibrand. Hollibrand is uh, at a bar, tavern, inn, whatever you want to call it. And he's just trying to drink among the local people here. And it seems that uh, he's causing trouble without even knowing it because the guy's got to chill. He's just not really... Uh, He's kind of being a wise ass and almost like, yeah, I'm outsmarting everybody here. Uh, but he's there mockingly being almost, again, a wise ass, passive aggressive, and the townsfolk men don't take lightly to it. So he offers them, hey, you know what? Let's call, cool our jets. I'll buy everyone around. So all uh, next round's on me. And then he walks away. Uh, he steals some money from these guys because he's just literally trolling them. Uh, so he steals the coins, but he's confronted because he's caught in a back alley. But him on his own in a corner, I'm like, oh, he's going to get it wrecked. He takes down the entire group of men, drunk men, on his own because he just has this rage that just goes out on him. So, but then he just he is fought by guards and taken into, into, into custody, into the jail cell. So the Southlands are the beginning where Sauron plans to start his takeover. That is the plan that's occurring. Southlands pretty much a kingdom without people because they're all scattered. And that's why Halbrand is at sea because his people are nowhere to be found. He's collecting them so they can go back to their homeland and build a strong base to fight out the evil forces that are coming soon. The, the premonition, the omen, you could say. So the hobbits in the back in the back in the hobbits were they're traveling in their caravan, uh, they're planning a migration. But the Brandyfoot family is having an issue because the father broke his leg and he is unable to keep up with them as they're traveling to uh, safer lands. So even though he's positively reinforcing, no, I can do this. He is gonna be a hindrance and sadly could end up getting left behind and dead. Because that's how the hobbits are. Just leave everyone behind if they become a, uh, <laughs> not a nuisance. But I could say they just become a. There's a proper word for this: uh, a danger to their society. Because if he can't keep up with them, he's gonna doom them all. So it's it's a cruel world out there. That's how the hobbits pretty much function. They're they're fl uh, fl uh, they're flight not not fight creatures. Only they get cornered. They're very shy people, but they're also not very. Uh, confronting people. They definitely run away from their issues. So the hobbits are planning migration. Right, this whole thing's happening. Nori's looking at her constellation map and book and seeing where she can correlate, but she needs to find the proper book to see the actual constellations in the sky. Uh, Sadok is there in his tent reading his book who would have some of this stuff. Yeah, he's giving a speech for the fallen and left behind hobbits who couldn't make keep up with them and they wait for them. So the old wizard is in the background sees the star signs and inspires him he's finally getting some form of awareness the page of paper uh catches on fire and he panics and he calls nori in an awkward moment where he's just rummaging through the hobbit village mind you this tall human bearded man again humans and hobbits do not coexist they're afraid of this man like oh my gosh what's going on here so nori almost gets the cavern the ca caravans but luckily, Sadak gives her a second chance. They go through all this trouble of sneaking Sadak's, I guess you can say, tent to grab his books and to see some stuff and hide this man for the last two days and he's sought out by the people. And she could have easily been 
excommunicated, you know, just exiled from her community. But he gave her a chance because she's a young young woman and she's got plenty of years ahead of her to make proper uh, calls. Like, she's too young to make a dumb mistake like this, but this is a big mistake. So he says, well, I guess your punishment is to be in the back of the caravan. And usually when you're in the back of the caravan with a ailed uh, candy-capped person, uh, you're going to be left behind. That's what it means. But at least you're allowed to travel and keep up as far along as you can. That this is going to become an issue for their entire family because it pretty much is saying you're exiled from our community, but there is still a chance you can survive if you can recover fast enough. So, as this is going, the other hobbits thinks that uh, Nori isn't special. Why is she even given a chance? But Mr. Sadak is giving her a chance because he knows that she has a purpose in their community, and also her dad definitely is like, listen, you can. Come back from this, but you got to make sure that you don't make any other life-threatening decisions that affect your future. So, Isil and Irian, siblings of the son of Eldingir, uh, try to convince the captain, their father, Elendil, uh, that he wants a year off, and she got accepted to their builder's guild. So, here's the thing. A lot going on with family turmoil. Elendil's family have different motives of what they want to do in the future. Uh, and obviously, he is driven to continue his journey. And it, but his son and daughter have way different aspirations than he does. So she got with this Builders Guild, which should be an, a great moment of celebration, right? But she's not celebrating. So is it because she has apprehensions? Is that not what she's truly in her heart? We'll find out later on. Uh, so the son is peaked, and the elves try to escape. This is a fun sequence. Now, this is, this is the elves that are pretty much enslaved to be miners, and they finally get out. But this is when the orcs release the warg, and they're like, what the heck is the warg? It's a freaking dire wolf. This shit is ugly, disgusting, and one of the coolest looking things I've seen in a while for any form of wolf in, in uh, TV shows and movies. Uh, this son of a bitch is violent. It tears away at flesh like nothing. You can pretty much call this thing like a land shark, because this... this Warg is not your typical wolf. It has a lot of like tearing fangs, like a tiger, just there to attack you. It's massive, it's ugly, and it's after blood. So they take Aaron Deer after this huge epic fight where they try to kill this thing uh, to Adar after he tries to escape, but as his friend tries to run away, he gets arrows thrown at him. So even though you can get out in the sunlight, Still got to worry about the orc archers, and sadly his buddy died. So now Arendir said getting killed. He has to speak to their leader personally for his punishment. And this is where the third episode ends. Adar was the title, and this the last line of the of the episode. Adar is gonna pretty much has wants an audience with Arendir, who bravely tried to escape and free his people from the orc uh, mining job infiltration job they are doing so stay right there we'll be right back for episode four and continue this review what's poppin world it's your boy the puerto rican powerhouse i'm mike for hire the podcast mercy himself christian joel ramos back at it again with a brand new review and today we're going to continue the amazon prime original series based on the jr token books the lord of the rings lord of the rings ring of power we're on the third episode of the first season titled adar and the orcs have taken Arondir and his partner medhor captive into slavery overnight 
he was trying to figure out what was under those tunnels and he he fucked around and found out pretty much so shit got real and <laughs> uh, Galadriel on the other end uh, awakes from her nightmare where she thought things were uh, occurring that weren't I mean that felt so vivid that some like almost like what do you call that uh a, a omen or some sort of uh, premonition, premonition, there we go, that of things uh, to uh, go south because she's a hell bent, bent on this whole Sauron, taking on Sauron before he grows powerful mission. So her and Halbrand have been saved and fed and given a chamber to sleep in on a ship, but they're kind of prisoners per se. Like they're able to move around deck, but they're, I guess you can say, then a naval fleet found them and take them to the court of the queen and then she will judge their fate for them. So they're just getting escorted because they're trespassing on international waters. You know how it goes. It's just litigation stuff. So they go on and the ship opens up and they look trustworthy and yet they people look a little bit apprehensive about them because they're like, you're strangers. We don't know who you are, but we'll take you in and figure this out. So... They're skeptical, to say the least, but at least they're kind enough not to have them in shackles. They just kind of just have them free, just roaming around the, the ship until they get to shore. So they were retrieved by a team that was instructed uh, to take them home. And uh, this was actually almost like I said, they knew who they were. So they're a people of power and influence. They know who these, who uh, how Brandon and Gladriel are. So the kingdom is like this beautiful... I guess you can say floating palace. So it's like it's in a, a bunch of uh, temples and mountains, but it's like not floating. It's just an, an it's an island country. There we go. And it is instructed to them that they're just to be taken home. And where is home? And then pretty much the elf kingdom. The kingdom is beautiful here that they're currently at, and looks like it's almost like similar to the Smith Elf Kingdom, but it's not elves. They're humans, and for that reason that uh. Galadriel, who has been around for centuries already, mind you, she knows where she's at. We're at the edge of the map, the land of the star, the island kingdom of Numenor. So, that being said, Morgoth humans sided with Morgoth, um, who kind of were friendly with the elves at one point, went and astray from the elves and kind of banished them from their kingdom, but one way or another, because they were once close allies and now they don't really talk or are in contact with each other for, again, centuries. So having an elf there is actually a big issue for them. So the Chancellor of Farazan, seems like a very normal normal guy, seeks counsel with Galadriel and Galadriel of the Noldor, commander of the Northern Armies of Finnafar. She gives this big speech of who she is in her title, and to ask Halbrand who he is, like, uh, hi, I'm Halbrand of the Southlands. <laughs> That's all he has. This is straight up from Game of Thrones. I remember the scene where they were introducing uh, Daenerys and Jon Snow. It was funny as hell. But this joke never gets old, because it is true how posh and like overtly uh, professional the royals can be and like giving their damn identification and, and commoners like oh yeah my name is like tom from you know down the street you know just casual so galadriel the queen regent 
uh, Muriel don't see eye to eye. The Queen Regent's a beautiful woman. She definitely looks like she's intelligent, she's well-mannered, and she's got some years on her belt. Of, like, But even though she looks like a young queen, you can tell she became queen very early in her age. So she had to like kind of grow up as she with the title is she didn't have time much to be a princess because the, her kingdom needed her. So Halbrand uh, plays it cool and gives them, uh, convinces her to give them three days to figure things out. Even because Galadriel is definitely not great warrior, terrible politician. She is not cut out for that life. She's just not the type of person to be quote unquote politicking her case. And it, yeah, so safe to say things are a little bit tense, but they're trying to figure it out in a way that they can all coexist and leave this from getting ugly. So Elendil is the captain that saved them. He's also a foreigner to the island nation, um, but he seems to be on their on their good side because he's A, human, and B, uh, has uh, done it through the right channels. Uh, Arian, who is one of his daughters, uh, so Arian and his son, uh, Isil uh, are there on their ship. He's kind of it's like a work, you know, take your kids to work day type of scenario. Ellendale is having a private meeting with the queen about this occurrence, and she is skeptical of the elf and what that could mean for them. And he's like, "I trust you. Nothing's gonna happen. I will escort her home. Absolutely." So. He has to perform a service in order for stay for the queen's good graces, and that is to escort the young Galadriel back to her elf kingdom. So, back in the orcs' minds, these guys, Lord Almighty, back in the orc minds, the sun is hitting hard, and the orcs hate the sun because it burns your skin almost like a vampire. So they're covered in like tents, and that's where they burrow underground to begin with. Uh, they just prefer the darkness because it doesn't burn their, their pale alabaster skin. Uh, so the leader of the orcs likes that Rebian stands up for himself that she's like an elder um, statesman in the elf kingdom I mean guardsman and um, he's not going to put up with their stuff he's not afraid of them essentially uh, he's there and he's uh, the leader of the orcs likes this but he has gusto and hands him a water jug and it's a water ration but he's skeptical like what is there poison in this okay like, hey, it's just water see so Sadly, one by one, they drink water until the third elf drinks, and this is where the orc slits the guy's throat mid-gulp. And it's to set an example. You guys want to fight amongst yourselves or keep working to survive? Get out, you know, get on this. Stop trying to do it. And uh, they, they ask him to take down a tree, and apparently trees are very sacred in these wood elves. Like, they're, like, it wasn't the tree's time to be taken down, but they're building this crazy underground tunnel between towns so that the orcs could uh, pillage and steal everyone's land uh, slowly, but surely building these channels underground for miles and miles on end all through Middle, Middle Earth. So that's where the situation with the elves are right now. That being said, uh, let's see here. Galandrio, back in the Numenar, escapes but is met with Ellendale, who gives her a proposition uh, pretty much like, hey, we can have a proper talk with the queen again, and you can discuss your plan, what you're trying to do here, and if you just take it easy. So they ride horseback a quarter of days away to find these ancient, uh, to find clues that are going to help them with what her case, that pretty much the Southlands are in danger, and soon the whole world would be if Sauron gets a hold of them. But she needs... Numenar's help to raise an army in order to take down Sauron before it gets there. So here we go with Hollibrand. Hollibrand is uh, at a bar, tavern, in whatever you want to call it. 
and he's just trying to drink among the local people here. And it seems that uh, he's causing trouble without even knowing it because the guy's got to chill. He's just not really uh, – he's kind of being a wise ass and almost like yeah, – I'm outsmarting everybody here. Uh, but he's there mockingly being almost, again, a wise ass, passive aggressive, and the townsfolk men don't take lightly to it. So he offers him, hey, you know what? Let's call, cool our jets. I'll buy everyone around. So all, uh, next round's on me. And then he walks away. Uh, he steals some money from these guys because he's just literally trolling them. Uh, so he steals the coins, but he's confronted because he's caught in a back alley. But him on his own in a corner, I'm like, oh, he's going to get it wrecked. He takes down the entire group of men, drunk men, on his own because he just has this rage that just goes out on him. So... But then he just he is fought out by guards and taken into into the, into custody into the jail cell. So the Southlands are the beginning where Sauron plans to start his takeover. That is the plan that's occurring. Southlands pretty much a kingdom without people because they're all scattered, and that's why Halbrand is at sea because his people are nowhere to be found. He's collecting them so they can go back to their homeland and build a strong base to fight out the evil forces that are coming soon. The, the premonition, the omen, that you could say. So the hobbits in the back in the back in the hobbits were they're traveling in their caravan, uh, they're planning a migration. But the Brandyfoot family is having issues because the father broke his leg and he is unable to keep up with them as they're traveling to uh, safer lands. So even though he's positively reinforcing, no, I can do this. He is gonna be a hindrance and sadly could end up getting left behind and dead. Because that's how the hobbits are. Just leave everyone behind and they become uh, <laughs> not a nuisance. But I could say they just become a – there's a proper word for this, uh, a danger to their society. Because if he can't keep up with them, he's going to doom them all. So it's it's a cruel world out there. That's how the hobbits pretty much function. They're, they're, fl- uh, fl- uh, they're flight, not, not fight creatures. Only they get cornered. They're very shy people, but they're also not very – uh, confronting people. They definitely run away from their issues. So the hobbits are planning migration. Right, this whole thing's happening. Nori's looking at her constellation map and book and seeing where she can correlate, but she needs to find the proper book to see the actual constellations in the sky. Uh, Sadok is there in his tent reading his book who would have some of this stuff. Yeah, he's giving a speech for the fallen and left behind hobbits who couldn't make keep up with them and they wait for them. So the old wizard is in the background sees the star signs and inspires him he's finally getting some form of awareness the page of paper uh catches on fire and he panics and he calls nori in an awkward moment where he's just rummaging through the hobbit village mind you this tall human bearded man again humans and hobbits do not coexist they're afraid of this man like oh my gosh what's going on here so nori almost gets the cavern the caravans but luckily, Sadak gives her a second chance. They go through all this trouble of sneaking Sadak's, I guess you can say, tent to grab his books and to see some stuff and hide this man for the last two days and he's sought out by the people. And she could have easily been excommunicated, you know, just exiled from her community, but he gave her a chance because she's a young young woman and she's got plenty of years ahead of her to make proper uh, calls. Like, she's too young to make a dumb mistake like this, but this is a big mistake, so he says, well... I guess your punishment is to be in the back of the caravan. And usually when you're in the back of the caravan with a ale, uh, candy-capped person, uh, you're going to be left behind. That's what it means. But at least you're allowed to travel and keep up as far along as you can. 
that this is going to become an issue for their entire family because it pretty much is saying you're exiled from our community, but there is still a chance you can survive if you can recover fast enough. So as this is going, the other hobbits thinks that uh, Nori isn't special. Why is she even given a chance? But Mr. Sadok is giving her a chance because he knows that she has a purpose in their community and also her dad is definitely like, listen, you can come back from this, but you got to make sure that you don't make any other life-threatening decisions that affect your future. So Isil and Irian, siblings of the son of Eldingir, uh, try to convince the captain, their father, Elendil, uh, that he wants a year off, and she got accepted to their Builders Guild. So here's the thing. A lot going on with family turmoil. Elendil's family have different motives of what they want to do in the future. Uh, and obviously, he is driven to continue his journey. And it, but his son and daughter have way different aspirations than he does. So she got into this Builders Guild, which should be a, a great moment of celebration, right? But she's not celebrating. So is it because she has apprehensions? Is that not what she's truly in her heart? We'll find out later on. Uh, so the sun is peaked and the elves try to escape. This is a fun sequence. Now, this is, this is the elves that are pretty much enslaved to be miners, and they finally get out. But this is when the orcs release the warg, and they're like, what the heck is the warg? It's a freaking dire wolf. This shit is ugly, disgusting, and one of the coolest looking things I've seen in a while for any form of wolf in, in uh, TV shows and movies. Uh, this son of a bitch is violent. It tears away at flesh like nothing. You can pretty much call this thing like a land shark, because this... this Warg is not your typical wolf. It has a lot of like tearing fangs, like a tiger, just there to attack you. It's massive, it's ugly, and it's after blood. So they take Arundir after this huge epic fight where they try to kill this thing uh, to Adar after he tries to escape, but as his friend tries to run away, he gets arrows thrown at him. So even though you can get out in the sunlight, Still got to worry about the orc archers, and sadly, his buddy died. So now, Avendir said getting killed. He has to speak to their leader personally for his punishment. And this is where the third episode ends. Adar was the title in this, the last line of the, of the episode. Adar is gonna pretty much has once an audience with Avendir, who bravely tried to escape and free his people from the orc uh, mining job infiltration job they are doing so stay right there we'll be right back for episode four and continue this review